0: Welcome to the Why They Are So Angry podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Francois, a proud baby boomer with over 30 years' experience as an educator and learning leader. And I'm Courtney
1: Square, your resident first generation millennial. Join us as we present an unvarnished look at systemic racism in America
0: throughout history and up to modern times. We invite you to pull up a chair, put in your earbuds, And allow us to enlighten, educate, and explore the real reasons why Black African Americans are so angry. Because until you know the whole history, it isn't American history at all. You know, Courtney, you would think that we would escape the scourge of systemic racism through death. But sadly, that's not the case. You're right, Aunt Carol, and this
1: episode comes right during spooky season, so our listeners can just consider this our Halloween episode, but it may surprise our listeners that up until the early 1900s, it was was legal to rob graves for medical students to do dissection, and I think we can guess whose graves were robbed most often. Oh boy, I bet we can. In fact, in 1788, a prominent New York doctor said, the only subjects procured for dissection are the production of Africa, or their descendants and if those characters are the only subjects of dissection surely no one can object
0: okay so those characters that he's talking about are black people and that is just it's despicable to hear a doctor say something like that but that attitude was widespread in america's medical schools courtney and in most states Though grave robbing was technically frowned upon, systemically racist policies, practices, and procedures allowed it to go on for decades with Black people and their sacred cemeteries regularly being violated. For example, the University of Virginia Uh, put out a report called the President's Commission on Slavery as a way to re-examine the school's ties to slavery, as well as that history at its medical school. Now, the report states that those, quote, submitted to the anatomist knife at the university were largely the bodies of recently deceased African-Americans, both enslaved, enslaved, and free, who were grave robbed for the school by hired professionals known as Resurrectionists. And those uh, Resurrectionists, or grave robbers, basically, they went through in Baltimore, Alexandria, Norfolk, and Richmond, Virginia, and elsewhere, just basically finding Black bodies and taking them in to be dissected at medical schools.
1: And I'm getting visions of Frankenstein and his monster, because that's what he was. Mm. Dr. Frankenstein was a grave robber. But that just wasn't in southern states like Virginia. Grave robbing was prevalent in the north as well. In the 1780s in New York City, most of the bodies that ended up on dissection tables were Black, even though they were only 15% of the city's population. Grave robbers targeted Black graveyards at a much higher rate than their white counterparts. Now, the Black community tended to be poorer and lacked the social and moral protections that the white community had at this time. Also, Black graveyards tended to be geographically isolated and further out from cities. Some cemeteries were purposely located near hospitals to make grave robbing easier.
0: Boy, that was how clever of them. Location,
1: Location, location, location. Now, archaeologist James M. Davidson in the International Journal of Historical Archaeology described how the remains of blacks were treated disrespectfully. He wrote far too long. Their loss was unremembered and unmourned with their very flesh and bone discarded through various means, dropping them in city sewers, by shallow burial in vacant lots, by dumping them on city streets or even through incineration. Within household garbage,
0: Davidson writes. Mm, My goodness, Courtney, it's hard to imagine people would do such despicable acts, but the history is well documented. Now, Courtney, since you mentioned New York, I believe you have a story about grave robbing, dissection, and cemetery desecration that will make our hair stand on end. Oh, I do. It is
1: absolutely perfect for the season that we're in, but Before I go any further, I want to give our listeners a trigger warning because some of the story I'm going to tell has graphic descriptions that may cause trauma. So govern yourselves accordingly and be prepared for a story of the most macabre. Now, according to an article by Beth Lovejoy in the Smithsonian Magazine, New York was the site of a historic uprising against grave robbing, the so-called Doctors' Riot, which began on April 16th, 1788, though it has mostly been forgotten today. Today, for most Americans, being a physician, being a doctor is a very respectable profession. You ask little kids, what do you want to be with when they grow up? Doctor is normally first on the list. It's held in high esteem, but it wasn't always the case. And one of the first major riots post revolution um, in the United States was caused by popular anger against doctors. At the end of the 18th century, Columbia College was New York's only medical school. And back then, you didn't have to graduate from a professional medical school to learn um, or practice medicine. And that led students going to private, not for credit classes at New York Hospital, where they were taught by Richard Bailey, a Connecticut born doctor who had studied in London with the famous Scottish surgeon, John Hunter. Now, anatomical dissections were a big part of these classes in medical training in general, but dissections were offensive and even seen as sacrilegious to early New Yorkers. Now, in the winter of 1788, rumors began floating in the newspaper stories about medical students robbing graves to get bodies for dissection but it was mostly from Potter's Field and the cemetery reserved for the city's black population, which was known as the Negro's burial ground. Now in February, a group of the city's free and enslaved black population submitted a petition to New York's common council complaining, and I quote, gentlemen who under cover of night dig up bodies of our deceased friends and relatives of your petitioner. So they're saying it's us. There are local friends, neighbors, and loved ones that are being carried off in the night. And they continue to say these people are carrying them away without any respect for age or sex. So man, woman, child, eight to 80, blind, crippled, or crazy, they were taking these bodies away at night. Now, ironically, the petitioners, uh, the group that went to the New York City Council, they didn't ask for the grave robbing to stop. They just wanted it to be, and I quote, conducted with decency and propriety, which the solemnity of the occasion requires. So just do it with respect. But the petition was ignored. Many in the city were willing to turn a blind eye to grave robbing as long as those bodies were black and poor. Yeah,
0: well, that's typical. Sounds familiar.
1: Now, eventually, the grave robbing situation came to a head with an incident on February 21st, 1788. The advertiser, a newspaper at the time, printed an announcement saying that the body of a white woman had been stolen from Trinity Churchyard. Oh, we're in trouble now. (laughs) And Trinity Churchyard is the same graveyard where Alexander Hamilton is buried. That's just a side historical fact. Now, as the story goes, a group of boys were playing in the grass near New York Hospital when they saw something that upset them and probably scared them. And it incensed the entire city. Now, in some versions of the story, the boys saw a severed arm hanging out of one of the hospital windows to dry out in another story. The boys climbed a ladder and peered into the dissecting room where a surgeon creepily waved the severed arm
0: at one of the boys. <laughs> now, that sounds like Halloween to me. But anyway, what, what's another version?
1: In other versions, the mother of one of the boys had recently died, and the surgeon told the boy that the arm had belonged to his mother. Oh, cruel! Cool. <laughs> now, in this version of the tale, the boy ran to tell his father, who was a mason, and he went to the cemetery to exhume his wife's coffin now after finding it empty he marched to the hospital with a group of angry friends carrying their pitchforks and shovels (laughs) just like dr frankenstein (laughs) the villagers are angry now at this point things had will go drastically downhill in new york city Mm. so when we get back we will tell our listeners what happened with the severed arm the angry dad and the grave robbers at the New York
0: Hospital. (laughs) This gets more gruesome as we go. And, you know, grave robbing sounds gruesome enough, Courtney, but a group of boys spotting a severed arm, now that would be traumatic. So when we come back, we're going to hear what that angry mob ended up doing. Now, of course, remember, They only got up in arms, so to speak, when it was a white woman involved. So let's take our break. Want to learn more about systemic racism? Or maybe you want to leave us a comment, rate our show, subscribe, get lots of swag, or reach out to us on social media. Well, you can. Go to our website, www.podpage.com, Why Are They So Angry?, and connect with Courtney and me. You can even sign up to take our course systemic racism see it say it confront it all that waiting for you at www.podpage.com why are they so angry see you there well Courtney we're back and it sounded like trouble was afoot or should I say at hand in the big apple
1: that's right when we left off in Carol an incensed mob was descending on the New York hospital now, although most of the doctors and medical students fled when the workmen appeared, a handful remained and tried to guard the valuable collection of anatomical and pathological specimens. But that was in vain. The specimens were dragged out onto the street and set ablaze. Ooh, that's gory too. Oh. Now Richard Bailey, the doctor who was teaching these students at the hospital and his protege Wright post, might have been added to the fire, Two, but lucky for them, Mayor James Duane and the sheriff arrived and ordered the doctors and the medical students escorted to jail for their own protection. Good idea. Now things quieted down after that, but the next morning a mob ran around the city searching for the doctors and medical students and bodies. So there is a manhunt, a doctor hunt, and a body part hunt all through New York City. Mm. Now, hundreds descended on Columbia University. And despite the efforts of none other than Alexander Hamilton. Mm, I want to send the song (laughs) Alexander Hamilton. He pops out and he's pleading with the crowd from the school's front steps. um, But they didn't care. The school, the crowd ran uh, him over and into the school where they searched the anatomical theater uh, museum chapel and library and even students bedrooms for signs of dissection when they didn't find any bodies because the students had removed them the previous night, the men searched several of the doctors homes, including Dr Bailey's in vain. And then they marched down Broadway to the jail.
0: Boy, that crowd was angry. (laughs) They went through everything.
1: The villagers are angry. Not even Alexander Hamilton could stop them. Mm. Now, Governor George Clinton and Mayor Duane and other prominent politicians urged them to disperse, but the crowd refused and swelled to an estimated 5,000 people armed with rocks, bricks timber torn from a nearby gallows they finally attacked the jail yelling bring out your doctors
0: i mean what a group they are an angry mob just like in the movies
1: they are the villagers are angry now inside medical students scampered over the broken glass and used rocks and bricks thrown at them to fend off their attackers one of the rioters climbed inside the jail through a ground floor window, but was killed by a guard. And this further incensed the rioters, like, hey, we're 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 on the right here. You're protecting the wrong people. Mm. Now, Governor Clinton called out several rounds of militiamen who attempted to calm the scenes, although they had strict orders not to fire their muskets. That is until Secretary of Foreign Affairs John Jay, who also signed the Declaration of Independence and future Supreme Court Justice, was hit in the head with a rock mm. and rev- and Revolutionary War General Baron von Steuben was also hit with a brick. So it is gone. Crazy. So, yes. if you've ever seen the play Hamilton or 1776, the people singing on stage were in this riot, getting hit with rocks and trying to calm down the crowd. Mm. Now, this was too much. The rock throwing, the climbing in windows, the shoving, the pushing was all too much. So the militia men could no longer be restrained. They opened fire and at least three riders and three members of the militia were killed with the final death toll estimated as high as 20.
0: My goodness, this this was serious business.
1: This was very, very serious. Now, in the days that followed, local newspapers stopped running ads for doctors and medical classes. People regularly went to the cemeteries to inspect the graves of their loved ones and formed groups known as dead guardmen to protect the cemeteries. Well,
0: that makes sense. They had a lot of reason to do that.
1: Now, to protect themselves, several of the city's most prominent physicians, including Bailey, published notices saying they never robbed any cemetery in the city, nor asked anyone else to do so. Now, it was, a cl- it was clever of them to use the word in the city. Since the Negroes burial ground and Potter's field had been established
0: outside the city. okay, so nobody could catch them up on uh, telling a lie. Words,
1: words mean things and they knew how
0: to use them.
1: Now, eventually, a grand jury investigated the riot, but there was no record of anyone being convicted. Now, nevertheless, the reputation of the medical profession in New York was tainted for years. The New York Doctors' Riot was just one of a host of so-called anatomy riots that plagued the United States in the 18th and 19th centuries. Medical historian Michael Sappel has counted at least 17 such incidents between 1765 and 1854, in New Haven, Connecticut, Baltimore, Maryland, Cleveland, Ohio, and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania.
0: So this was widespread. People were up in arms. They had had it with this grave robbing.
1: Exactly. Now, these riots were sparked by anger over dissections and grave robbings, which is how most schools got their bodies, since there was no legal supply. People saw grave robbing as an affront to the honor of the dead and the sacred nature of graveyards. And dissection frightened many Christians at the time who believed that only complete bodies could be resurrected. Now, dissection also had a veneer of criminality. Now, in England, the only legal source of bodies were executed criminals. And if you know anything about Burke and Hare over in England, they were they were grave robbers turned murderers. So this does not have a it puts a bad taste in people's mouths when they hear about where these bodies come from. Now, many saw, you know, anatomical dissection as a extra layer of punishment, only suitable for the wicked.
0: Mm, Okay, so yeah, dissection would be a that tends be fighting words.
1: Yeah, it had a bad rap. Mm. But because of these riots, anatomy acts, also known as bone bills, were passed to legislate the, sublo- the supply of cadavers. Now, the year after the doctor's riot in New York, uh, in the New York legislature, had passed, um, they passed an act called an act to prevent odious practice of digging up and removing for the purpose of dissection, dead bodies interred in cemeteries or burial places. That's now quite. that
0: is <laughs> mouthful. <laughs> That's punishment alone to just name the act to say this is what you've been accused of. But anyway, we now, get the point. This act outlawed grave robbing, but it did
1: allow for criminals executed for murder arson or burglary to be sentenced to dissection after death so that leads into like the criminality of it like that's one last huzzah of the law you can't even be buried in one piece Mm. but the law wasn't effective there weren't nearly enough bodies of executed criminals to satisfy the demand so medical students continue to rob graves particularly Black graves, but they were more discreet than they were before. Now, rumors of grave robbing and dissection-related scandals continued into the 20th century before finally disappearing from newspaper front pages but the riot did have some longer lasting effects. It led to one of the earliest medical licensing systems in the colonies in which would-be doctors had to apprentice with a respected physician or attend two years of medical school in addition to passing a rigorous government exam. Now that meant medical students couldn't simply attend a couple of classes and hang a shingle in a small town upstate and say, Hey, the doctor is in, but nevertheless, it took a long time before being a doctor was considered entirely a respectable position in New York state.
0: Well, I'll tell you, Courtney, um, This comes as a surprise, I'm sure, to many of our listeners to know that doctors, physicians were not always considered the respectable folks that um, they are today. And as is often the case, riots and public outrage often result in laws being changed. Very true.
1: And that's what happened this time in Carol. But we started the episode talking about how systemic racism allowed for black cemeteries to be the target of grave robbing. But surely we're there. No more Dr. Frankenstein's no more medical students under the cover of darkness. So what's going on today? Please say it's all all well and good.
0: Well, the yes and no, Courtney, as many of our 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 stories progress. You are right. The old style grave robbing under cover of darkness is a thing of the past, but there is still a form of modern grave robbing that has happened to Black cemeteries. Um, Now, one of those methods is harvesting organs, but we're going to save that for another time. Unfortunately, though, the type of grave robbing that I'm talking about is how hundreds of Black cemeteries have been paved over by highways or built over with buildings or strip malls or office buildings, all in the name of urban renewal. Now, you'll recall we've done some episodes on this systemically racist practice whereby whole neighborhoods, black neighborhoods have been uh, torn apart with a building supposedly for the good of the community. But what happens is these people are displaced and kicked out of their homes. And uh, many times these cemeteries are right next door and those cemeteries are treated with great disrespect. Today, the name isn't urban renewal. We call it gentrification. Now, one definition of gentrification is the conversion of space for increasingly wealthier users who ultimately replace the earlier poorer residents. Now, there's a psychologist named Mindy Thompson Fullenlove who coined the phrase root shock to describe how this kind of displacement can have psychological and social impacts. Root shock, according to her, is the traumatic stress reaction to the destruction of all or part of one's emotional ecosystem. Now, that ecosystem would include the areas of culture, the arts, religious communities, schools, homes, and so on. Now, displacement can also include the archaeological resources, such as cemeteries, in poor uh, neighborhoods that actually appear to be abandoned and neglected. And so just like those graves that were robbed easily uh, back in the 1800s and early 1900s, these graveyards are now prime targets for redevelopment and a poor community's graves are the most vulnerable because they lack many times the durable stone markers, you know, the headstones that you normally see in uh, cemeteries. And so the, without those markers, sometimes people have no idea that there's a cemetery there. And then Remember, the people who lived in those communities nearby, they've been displaced, and so there aren't any enduring ties to the living people, because they've been moved out. Now, people who lived in communities destroyed by urban renewal and gentrification frequently see their displacement as what they call theft. Theft of their homes, their businesses, uh, their churches. Uh, and their cemeteries. They feel that this has been stolen and erased by capitalism. Courtney, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of Black cemeteries that have succumbed to or are in danger of being wiped out through gentrification. For example, unmarked Black graves have been discovered in places like Elizabeth, New Jersey, Clearwater, Florida, and Clemson, South Carolina. And also remember, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, bodies have been exhumed from a mass grave that many believe are connected to the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre, one of the worst episodes of racial violence in U.S. history. Now, pinning down an exact number of such sites remains difficult. Researchers say that for every white cemetery that is known, there should be one for African Americans or Blacks since it was common practice to have separate cemeteries, one for whites and one for blacks. Remember, all of that part of systemic racism and discrimination. But the numbers don't equal out. And research indicates that cemeteries have been cemented over by highways and other projects, like I said earlier. Now, the Reverend William J. Barber II, co-chair of the Poor People's Campaign, which advocates for economic justice, says more conversations are needed to rectify the wrongs against Black families and their ancestors buried in these forgotten graves. According to Reverend Barber, quote, developers literally have been building their wealth on top of other people's graves.
1: Wow, Aunt Carol. And if anyone has ever seen the movie Poltergeist, they know you don't build over a cemetery you don't because no. <laughs> no. bad things could happen and bad things are happening people are being displaced it's kind of a jokey joke to say about poltergeist but this is really sad that people's final resting pit lace, they can't even rest Now, it's a disturbing, this is a very disturbing way of describing how gentrification has been disrespectful to Black burial sites. Like I said, these people can't even rest in peace. But in spite of the disrespect to these sacred grounds, I've heard that some archaeologists and community groups throughout the country are undertaking preservation efforts to find and protect these Black cemeteries before more of them are destroyed, desecrated, or disrespected. In fact, there is a lot of that going on in my old state and my dad's current
0: state of Florida. You are so right, my dear niece. The University of Southern uh, Florida anthropologist Antoinette Jackson recently helped create the Black Cemetery Network. Now, this is a website and an organization linking Black African-American cemeteries that are being rediscovered and investigated across the country. The idea, she says, is to, quote, put a face and stories and people and communities on the map and in the public domain. Now, in June 2021, The state of Florida established a 10-member Abandoned African-American Cemeteries Task Force. Now, that group studies unmarked and abandoned cemeteries and burial grounds and develops strategies for preserving their history while ensuring dignity and respect for the deceased. That sounds similar to those Folks, those black people that went earlier in the 1800s and petitioned the New York City Council uh, to not allow these people to just take the grave, you know, take the bodies out of the graves. But if you're going to do it, at least do it with respect. Mm-hmm. Now, a- another group, the Florida Public Archaeology Network, is an organization working to protect and preserve the state's heritage sites, including many black African American cemeteries and burial grounds. Arches is actually uh, a free open source software platform that they are using to help identify and find those graves. Uh, For example, archaeologist Rebecca O'Sullivan helped discover Tampa Bay, Florida's Zion Cemetery by conducting ground penetrating radar scans at the site. Now, that site was owned by the Tampa Housing Authority and a complex was uh, developed and housing was built over the cemetery. But Zion Cemetery is now designated for memorialization and continued archeological study. Now, in addition to that study, former residents at Robles Park Village, which was the uh, housing authority building complex that was built on top of that cemetery. They were actually given new housing at no cost, along with support and counseling. Good for
1: Florida. It's good to have some good news coming out of the Sunshine State. Now, I've also heard that some scholars have called for federal protection of historic Black burial sites uh, modeled after the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, a 1990 law that says indigenous human remains and funerary objects must be at all times treated with dignity and respect. And recently the Senate passed a bipartisan legislation to create a nationwide network to account for and preserve African American burial grounds but a similar bill was held up in the House.
0: Well, and hopefully that won't be the case for long but though that move by the Senate is definitely needed and hopefully Congress will get busy. Um, So a lot is going on to prevent modern versions of grave robbing, also known as gentrification, Courtney. But my favorite story is about my hometown of Dallas, Texas, and how citizens rallied to preserve an important Black cemetery. And theirs is a model of how this can be done.
1: Now, you must be referring to Freedman Cemetery, the largest cemetery for freed slaves in the country.
0: Exactly, Courtney. Now, in 1869, a group of freed slaves purchased an acre of land on what was then the outskirts of Dallas, Texas for a grand total of $25. But that was a lot of money back then. Now the land included what had been a slave cemetery. As other freedmen settled around the cemetery and purchased more land, they established a thriving community. One of the numerous Freedmen's Towns spread across Dallas, or across the state of te- Texas, actually. Now, it was a place of hope and growth. There were seven churches, um, many of which hosted day schools and later even a high school. Uh, black doctors and dentists set up shop there, and black black owned grocers and movie theaters open and black families they interred their relatives at the cemetery which eventually grew to cover four acres but as was so often the case with black neighborhoods even thriving ones like that one on august 12 1946 the dallas morning news reported that the state highway department would construct the city's first freeway central expressway and I've traveled that expressway many, many, many times. I have, too. I bet you have. Now, it, it was going to be built at that time over a large portion of that Freedmen Cemetery, along with 1,500 structures, most of them owned or occupied by Black families who were descendants of the original freedmen. Now, the newspaper went on to say this, quote, it is hoped that no unwarranted delay in the removal of tenants and city owned houses will upset the schedule of beginning this work. Um, Basically, the folks said, hey, get busy, tear down the the houses, uh, bulldoze the the cemetery, don't worry about it. And that's what happened. Black graves were simply paved over. Headstones were used as rubble to fill ditches and low spots to make the highway. So, Once again, we see this quote-unquote urban removal going on. But, Courtney, fast forward to 1987, and I was definitely living in Dallas then, and the State Highway Agency announced its intention to expand the 10-mile stretch of highway, Central Expressway, and, um, you know, to relieve some of that congestion. But before that work could be done, a law required that an archaeological survey be done now, an archaeologist, uh, an archaeologist was working for the department, and he did that very survey in the neighborhood and noticed a sign for, quote, Freedman's Memorial Park. And at that point, the project was stopped, dead in its tracks, and the archaeologists then came in and they started digging. One body was found, then 30 than 1,157 bodies.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Now, eventually, the team concluded that the construction of the original highway, remember that one back in 1946, had paved over roughly a fourth of the cemetery that once held the remains of nearly 7,000 formerly enslaved and freed men and virtually eliminated all physical above ground reminders of its presence. So basically, the highway wiped out everything. Now once that news got out members of the local community, including descendants of those buried in the cemetery, they waged a successful campaign to halt freeway construction long enough for an archeological survey and excavations of the cemetery and relocation of those interred within it. And again, I remember vividly this happening and just applauding those leaders for being smart enough To go to the Texas Department of Highways, the Texas Department of Transportation, and say, no, we're not taking this. You are not grave robbing us. So in 1993, the Texas Department of Transportation painstakingly exhumed the remains from under the road and reinterred them at the park alongside thousands of other unmarked graves. And What's beautiful about that area is the city and community leaders commissioned spectacular bronze sculptures by David Newton that were erected on the site as a memorial to tell the story of those African Americans and their descendants journey from slavery to emancipation. You also will be able to see poems around the perimeter of that uh, memorial that commemorate those originally buried there. The memorial was dedicated in 1999, and it is one of the uh, most frequently visited sites in the city.
1: Well, that is a great way to end our Halloween episode. So I hope you're listening to this while you're snacking on nothing but the best Halloween treats. And in the meantime, between now and our next episode, if you want to see what we're doing online or listen to old episodes, you can always visit us at our website, which is www.podpage.com slash why are they so angry? That brings today's episode to a close. We hope you join us next time when we continue providing the answer to the question, why are they so angry? As always, we hope you learn something so you can see it, say it, and confront it.